Let's foray into Nevada's wild spaces. This is a half an hour adventure with the Nevada Department of Wildlife. This is Nevada Wild. Here on this Welcome to Nevada Wild, brought to you by the Nevada Department of Wildlife. I'm Ashley Sanchez, and today I'm really excited. We have Travel Nevada here. We have Sydney Martinez, and we also have Rachel Wright, who if you follow them on social media, she's the girl posting. And then we have our wildlife biologist, Mackenzie Jeffers. So super excited to have all of you here. Um, And Mackenzie's actually joining us over the phone. So... Um, it's going to be a good podcast. Yeah, we're excited to be here. I can't believe uh, it's already April again. That's Wildlife Month on Travel Nevada's content theme. So we're excited to have partnered with you. Uh, I think this is the third year running. Exactly. And then last year we were saying it's crazy. That was a year ago. You and the Travel Nevada team were in here and we were talking about Wildlife Month. Yeah. Then, so Yeah, it's, a, it's one of our favorite themes to promote because throughout the year we talk about uh, internally, it's a kind of our internal calendar, making sure we talk about all the things that are important to us and our brand at Travel Nevada and April is always such a fun content month because wildlife usually doesn't upset anybody you know it's just a fun all the baby animals are being born and as we moved into talking about our our game plan for the month Rachel and I were joking about how we're so happy it's finally it's not a controversial topic we're just happy to just talk about the animals and it was uh, amazing to be able to have partnered with Mackenzie as well. Nice. And then um, it's nice because our messages align so much like we're wildlife, but we also want people to just get outside, enjoy it. And um, that's our main mission. Yeah. And that's kind of similar to you guys just want people to get out and around. The yeah. State. You know, Travel Nevada is really focused on pushing people that are in the Reno, Tahoe and Las Vegas markets into the rural areas of the state, which, you know, as Nevadans, it's hard to not be biased. Those are always the best places to go and also the best places to view wildlife. Exactly. Very true. So, Sydney, I explained that, Rachel, your social media, and then, Sydney, give a little background on what you do for people who might not remember. Yeah, so um, my official title is Content Manager for Travel Nevada, and that basically is getting our arms around all of the photo, written, and video content that we host on TravelNevada.com. And a lot of that is managed through this thematic calendar. The the topics change every month, which is kind of fun for us. Um, And then that ripples through our social channels and our e-newsletter. So you can go to TravelNevada.com every month to see sort of our different game plan. And as I mentioned, April is wildlife. So we are full steam ahead with everything wildlife this month. It's been fun. And then, um, so Rachel, how long have you been there then? I have only been here about six months. And I feel like Sydney brings the real, like rural Nevada. She's been all over the state expertise. And I'm kind of still the, like a, from Las Vegas, went to college in Reno. So to me, I still am like, oh my gosh, there's a wild bunny in someone's front yard. <laughs> yeah, like that exactly. to me it still feels like wildlife. Cause I'm like the travel Nevada newbie. Have you loved working there so far? I mean, what a fun, oh, what yeah. a fun job. I mean, you walk in the door and like, great, here's all these themes. Oh, and by the way, five months from now, you get to talk about cute little animals for a whole month. I was like, yeah, I made I made a great <laughs> call. This well, is going to be just fine. We're loving it. So if you haven't checked it out already, definitely check, follow Travel Nevada on Facebook. And also their website has great articles. Instagram by and Twitter too. Instagram, Instagram Twitter. is a great channel. Rachel is scheduling posts, I think 
every day it seems like she's just killing it. So yeah, if you have any questions about wildlife, head over to our Instagram page right now too, because there's a, a lot to drink in. Exactly. And then part of this wildlife month, and you kind of mentioned this, and it's why we have Mackenzie over the phone, is that Mackenzie was featured in an article. Yeah. So we've, um, thank you for, Endow has helped us grow this, but we've had this continuation of this series where we're featuring a wildlife biologist each year. And a couple of years ago, we had a, a big game um, biologist up in the Elko County, northeastern part of the state. Last year we had, a, I think his position was a hatchery technician, so he talked a lot about all the fish and introducing them to Nevada's waterways. And this year we've uh, had the pleasure of working with Mackenzie Jeffress, who's a wildlife diversity biologist. So I loved learning all about that. And when you asked for a recommendation, she came to mind right away. So Mackenzie, you've been sitting there quiet because uh, I haven't addressed you yet, but thank you so much for joining us over the phone. And um, how did you feel about getting to do this article? Oh, first of all, thanks for having me. And I, I was really excited when you guys asked me to do this article. Um, it was hard for me to hone in on what species that I work with that I would like to highlight um, because there's so many cool projects that I'm working on. But we ended up landing on this goshawk project that we've been working on the last couple of years. And so that's the article that's featured on Travel Nevada. Can you tell us a little bit about this project for people who don't know? Yeah. So um, the goshawk project, well, first of all, I'll tell you a little bit more about goshawks. So a lot of people kind of know what a hawk is. You might think of like a red-tailed hawk that you see um, on your way to work on that power pole or maybe even think of like golden eagles. Um, but goshawks aren't usually that common, um, particularly in urban areas. They tend to be more in forest habitats. Um, and so a lot of people don't know exactly what a goshawk looks like, but if you go to the Travel Nevada site, you can see some pictures that we've taken. They're a beautiful bird. Um, they're super fast and agile. They um, ambush their prey as they're zipping through the forest. Uh, they eat little songbirds and little rodents. Um, but there are species that we don't know a whole lot about in Nevada, and there are species, um, one of our species of conservation priority in the state, and they're also BLM and Forest Service sensitive species. So we wanted to learn more about them, and in particular, we wanted to know more about um, what they do outside of the breeding season. And so we want to know, like, do they migrate, what habitat types they're using in the wintertime, and one of the best ways to do that is to put out GPS transmitters. And so uh, the article focuses on the day of going out and trapping the birds to put these transmitters on them to then get this information. That's awesome. And I, you had said that you were worried about talking in big jargon, but you're really good at just breaking this down for everyone. So you're doing great. Good. Yeah. Sometimes uh, us biologists get a little too lost in the technical jargon. Nice. Well, and I was fascinated to know that those transmitters, how much did you say they weighed? A handful of nickels? Or, I mean, they're extremely light. It's like a little backpack you outfit these birds with. Yeah. You know, a lot of people, when they think of, like, transmitters, they're thinking, um, you know, big game like elk and deer. We put collars on them, and they're these big, you know, kind of necklaces. Uh, but actually, transmitters technology has advanced so much, especially the last few years. So they've gotten really small. And this is a 22-gram transmitter, so really the weight of a couple of nickels. 
And it's really cool. It, um, it actually doesn't go around the bird's neck. It goes on like a backpack would. Okay. Um, so it's got straps that go over each wing. And then it sits on their back. And um, technology has advanced so much. It used to be that we'd have to go out on the ground and use um, VHF and, like, an antenna and, like, track the bird from the ground. Now these transmitters actually have, like, GPS capabilities. And they send um, coordinates or locations of the bird just um, through satellites, and uh, I get a weekly download of where the bird is, and I can get those downloads that are almost at times hourly points. Um, and even what's really cool on that is uh, they're solar powered. So, um, you know, just by the bird moving around and getting the sunlight, that's what keeps that unit charged, and it can run for several years. That's super cool. And you had been mentioning also, you know, the raptor population, if there's um, an issue with their health, it's kind of a larger window into environmental concerns, especially so with the goshawk, right? Yeah, absolutely. Um, The Forest Service even considers them a forest indicator species. And so a lot of these species we consider to be like indicator species or umbrella species, species that we can, if we can study them and figure out what's going on with them, that can a lot of times tell us, about other species and how they're doing and as well as how the habitat is doing. So um, with goshawks, you know, if, if they're not doing well or um, it can kind of tell us, you know, maybe the aspen's not doing well and what's going on there. So it's kind of an indicator species. That's cool. So you're, you're learning a lot from, from this one species. And I'm still stuck on the backpack thing. Yeah, I am too, <laughs> I didn't to be realize honest. that that's what the transmitters were. Yeah, yeah, we've got some pictures, um, again, on the Travel Nevada site, we've got some pictures of what they look like. They look really cool, and one of the best parts I love about them is once we put them on the bird, um, usually it's a female that we catch, an adult female, and when she flies off, she really doesn't even seem to notice that it's there, um, which is good. We don't want it to be cumbersome or, you know, too large or to affect their ability to fly or anything like that, and I especially love it when I go into the site the next year, and there she is with her her awesome little backpack and her little band on her her leg, and um, she's, you know, successfully nesting. It's really great. Oh, what were you? I was just going to say, so so it seems like a lot of places in Nevada where you can see some of these large birds of prey is in the Carson Valley. There's a lot lot going on down there with the eagles and agriculture and just the kind of their migration path. And then on the eastern side of the state, Mackenzie, where can you see a northern goshawk? Yeah, and um, I'm all I'm kind of biased because I work out at Elko, um, so that's where a lot of my work is. Um, but you can really see a goshawk. Um, I don't like to cue people in too much on where to go in when they're nesting uh, to protect both the active nest and the bird, but also people because goshawks, if you read the story, are incredibly aggressive during nesting time, and I don't want anybody getting attacked because they actually have hurt people before, oh um, led to stitches in some cases. And so, uh, but if you do want to see a goshawk, you can um, see them a lot of times in aspen habitats. Like if you go into Lamoille Canyon or um, in the Jarbage Wilderness, there's a lot of aspen. Uh, some of the ranges in central Nevada, like the Monitors and the Takimas and the Toyabis. Um, and then in the wintertime or kind of the non-breeding season, you can find them more um, on the forest edge or out in the open. And one thing I like to add to that is, although you might not get a chance to see the biggest of the occipiters that we have, which is a kind of a family of, of raptors, um, the, the goshawk, which is the biggest, there are Cooper's hawks and Sharpshin's hawks that are very similar to a goshawk, but just smaller. Um, and those tend to be the birds that 
people get in their more in their backyards or in the urban areas if people have out bird feeders. Um, actually, the Cooper's hawks and sharp shin hawks are known for like swooping in and taking out the little finches and uh, sparrows at the backyard feeders. Um, and so they're they're very similar to a goth hawk. Okay. And then I know you mentioned there's breeding season and the winter. Is there a better time you would suggest for people to like a better time of year that is best for spotting one? Uh, you know, I, I do think it's uh, better like outside of the breeding season, winter time. Um, I think it was either, uh, I think it was maybe Sydney that mentioned kind of the Carson Valley and kind of getting more into those open areas, but where there are still some trees, um, those are really good. And then there's um, a site called eBird where you can actually see where people are reporting bird observations, not just for goshawks, but any birds. So if you wanted to see where somebody has seen a goshawk recently, you can kind of check out eBird and see where people are reporting um, those observations. Exactly. eBird is an awesome resource I learned about after working here. We'll have to check that out. Definitely. Well, and now is the perfect time, too. I'm, um, I'm not sure if you guys are familiar with our road trips we're pushing really hard, but there's 10 branded road trips that Travel Nevada is pushing, and one of them is called the Ruby's Route, which is oh. great. Now is the, the window to get up into the Jarbage Wilderness and Lamoille Canyon and some of those more rural areas. That is my favorite route because all of them sort of have a theme, and this one is really designed for the hard adventurer, you know, going backpacking and getting deep into those wilderness areas. And it sounds like the, of all places, that's your best chance to see not only the northern goshawk, but a variety of wildlife. That's where all the fun animals in the state seem to hang out is in that northeastern corner. Exactly. Let's get more into that in the routes you're talking about. Yes. And, um, but we're going to go to a quick break yes. first. So we'll be right back after this quick break. You're listening to Nevada Wild. To Saskatchewan, where the getting's good. If you're getting gone, I'm gonna put my boots and my hat back on. Cause I'm long gone to Saskatchewan. Long gone to Saskatchewan. If you enjoy listening to our podcast, leave us a review on iTunes and SoundCloud. For more information on hunting, fishing, boating, and all things wildlife, go to endow.org. Now back to the show. Welcome back to Nevada Wild. Uh, I feel like there's so much to cover in this podcast today, but right before the break, you guys were telling us about these road trips and these routes you're promoting people to take. Could we get into that a little bit more? Yeah, so uh, Travel Nevada is really excited because we have been promoting 10 road trips throughout the state. Um, Rachel, which one's your favorite? Gosh, I mean, they're all so different. And so it really kind of depends you know, that weekend, that spring break, that family vacation you're taking, um, you know, over the holidays, what you kind of want to do. Because you can do anything from um, the Free Range Art Highway, which will take you from Reno to Vegas and back, has a lot of cool, like, funky desert art that you would never know is out there on these, you know, go 10 miles off a dirt road and you're going to go, what is this? In the middle mm -hmm. of a ghost town, too, so it kind of intertwines. Yeah, I mean, that's a great one just because... You know, if you've ever driven that road, you probably think, oh, my gosh, I just want to get to where I'm going. In reality, you know, the journey is really part of what makes that road trip fun and all the stops you take. Um, I'm personally looking forward to because my name is Rachel. I feel like I have a personal <laughs> mission to go to Rachel, Nevada and do oh, the hello. I'm, yeah. I'm here, everybody. <laughs> I made it. Welcome. Um, so I'm going to get to check out the ET Highway um, in about three weeks. 
I'm going to drive down to Vegas and detour off to do the ET Highway, which is super cool. And uh, we also have the Great Basin Route, which hits you through, gosh, I mean, a whole bunch of state parks. Nine. I think it's nine state parks wow. and one national park. So that one's really great for families looking to camp and kind of just slow down on that eastern uh, Highway 93 border of the state. Yeah. And, and then, then there's the Burner Byway. So that's, you know, really big into the Black Rock Desert and kind of everybody focuses on Burning Man, but it's sort of beyond all of that with a lot of the uh, California Trail uh, history up there. The Night Skies, I think Massacre Rim was just mm -hmm. designated an international dark sky separate than any other dark skies. I think you can see different uh, parts of the Milky Way galaxy up there. No other places on Earth. So we're excited to tie that into the Burner Byway. Yeah, absolutely. And then, yeah, a couple out of Vegas. They're all over the state. But, you know, I think my personal favorite, as I was kind of alluding to before the break, is the Ruby's Route. Oh, my of gosh. Course. That is like, I'm you not make supposed it... to say the F word, the favorite <laughs> word. But I think Elko County is right up there. Oh, my gosh, Mackenzie, you are in the most beautiful section of the state. I do agree. There, I think Nevada is amazing all around. I get to help out other biologists in other areas and love the entire state, but I am partial to this little section in northwestern Nevada. Um, and yes, the Ruby's route covers a lot of the country. I absolutely love. So that one is great because it's sort of like a you can use Elko as your home base. And some of the routes are more linear or a loop. You could certainly do the Ruby's route as a loop, um, but it's sort of Elko would be your base camp and it goes up into the Jarbage Wilderness and over to Angel Lake on the East Fork of the um, Hump or the Rubies and the Humboldts, East Humboldts. And then, um, you know, down into Lamoille Canyon and the Ruby Marsh. And it's really, if you love wildlife and the outdoors, this is the route that you should be following. It's awesome. All of these um, routes, they almost, they sum up Nevada with how different all of them are. It's, that's how Nevada is. There's so many different places all around the state. It's yeah. crazy. I think that's a really great way to look at it because it really is like, no matter what kind of adventure you're looking for, what kind of experience you want to have, you can do any and all of it in mm -hmm. Nevada. And you may not know that, but that's what these road trips are going to do. They're going to show you just how awesome this state is and how much fun you can have here. Exactly, and then we're all about people having the experience. So if you're going up to the Rubies, we want you to be hunting, fishing, hiking, just enjoying the outdoors, even if you don't hunt or fish. Um, and part of that is wildlife viewing. That's something everyone can get into. Um, Mackenzie, what are some of the, what what is some of the wildlife people might see if they head out on that route? Well, uh, while we were on break, we were started talking about my favorite species. Again, we're not supposed to have favorites, but <laughs> I mean, I do. You can't and, help uh, And one of the species that you could see, especially if you get off of the roads and start hiking in particularly the Ruby Mountains and East Humboldt is the American pika. Um, and so for the people that don't maybe know what an American pika is, they are this cute little mammal. Um, related to rabbits in the rabbit order, um, but they don't particularly look like a rabbit with like the long ears and the cute fluffy tail. Um, and they tend to live kind of in the higher elevations of the Rubies and East Humboldt's, or maybe if you're over um, by Tahoe, there's like the Mount Rose Trail. Um, you can see pikas along that. They live in the rocky habitats, um, like Talus Slopes. So if you're hiking in Lamoille, and you go uh, past Liberty Lake and go, start going over Liberty Pass, um, you'll be walking right through pika habitat. 
and they are really cute. They kind of look like a little um, guinea pig or like They're a chinchilla, really and they'll sit on their little rock perch and um, eat at you. They have these cute little hay piles that they build up and store for food in the wintertime, and they're a species that we're looking at um, in my program, the diversity program, uh, throughout the where they occur in the state, but particularly in northwestern Nevada, so um, up in my counterpart, Jane Van Gunst, her area um, northwest of Winnemucca, um, we're surveying for pikas and trying to document um, where they occur um, because a lot of the, the populations out there have been recently blinking out, and so we're trying to figure out what's going on there. And I feel like something that's important to mention is for those of you who don't have a good understanding of what Mackenzie does and what a diversity biologist is, it's basically... She and the other diversity biologists manage everything that's not big game. And we have 194 species in Nevada. Well, I was fascinated because like she talks about in her story, as soon as she mentions that she's a wildlife diversity biologist, she has to follow up with the wildlife diversity kind of usually throws people for a little bit of a loop. Like what is wildlife diversity? And so, um, you know, NDAO is charged with protecting, conserving, managing and restoring all wildlife. And so a lot of times when we think of wildlife, we think of like bighorn sheep and elk and maybe sage grouse. Um, Those are game species, so species that are hunted. Um, But most of Nevada's wildlife is not hunted, so it falls into the realm of non-game. So that's what I do as a biologist is um, help us understand our non-game wildlife. Um, And so that includes everything from bats, uh, songbirds, the raptors like goshawks, the pikas, um, even lizards and snakes. Uh, we're kind of charged with doing it all, which is a huge um, task, but it, I love it. It's, um, it's such an awesome job. Every day is so different. Um, some of these species we know so little about, so it's kind of like an adventure and a challenge to, to learn more about them and figure out where they occur and how to survey for them and how the populations are doing. Um, and one of the things that helps guide our work is our state wildlife action plan. So every state has a wildlife action plan. And in it, it identifies species of um, conservation priority species we want to focus on and the habitat types that we want to focus on. And it's important to keep in mind that we're not just looking for species that are like threatened or endangered. A lot of the work we do is focused on this idea of keeping common species common. Um, So trying to monitor and keep a pulse on all populations and, and all species so that they don't get to the point of, you know, needing to be listed as threatened or endangered. It's extremely important work. And uh, Aaron Keller's here helping us with audio, and he's giving me a hard time because I guess I said 194 species. It's 894 wow. species. I was going to say I thought the number was a little higher. <laughs> it's a little higher than 100. Um, yeah, a lot of them are uh, and I did you know know maybe species that just migrate through. Some species are resident. Some are very small populations, maybe just down in, like, the Vegas area in the Mojave Desert. Some are very widely distributed. Um, it's just really amazing. Well, I think that's also a testament, too, to the, the diversity in uh, the landscape in Nevada as well. I mean, America's home to four um, deserts. Two of them are in Nevada, the Great Basin and the Mojave. And, man, the the wildlife you can just see from southern 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 gosh it's We're, friday it's southern nevada 194 <laughs> to northern nevada i mean gosh and to back it with you know 800 plus species that's pretty incredible and you get to survey many of those it sounds like mackenzie 
Yeah, I do. And, um, you know, it's funny. One thing I always like to tell people is, like, they think because I cover all those species, I, I, I'm, like, an expert on them all. And I will say I'm not all, you know, I try to learn as much as I can, but a lot of times when people ask me questions, well, tell me more about this species. It's like, you know, honestly, we don't know a whole lot, or I still need to learn more. Um, but that's one of the things I absolutely love about my job is um, every single day I am learning, and it's an adventure. And can't you kind of pick a species that you want to work on that you're passionate about and um, really put time into that as well, like the pika for you? Yes, absolutely. Um, Yeah, so uh, pikas was one um, that I came into this job um, before working with the Park Service and helping different national parks uh, study their pikas. So when I came in, it was like, okay, let's see some more work with pikas in in Nevada. Um, And so, yeah, you can kind of pick uh, different species. Some of the projects that we're just kind of gearing up are um, things like shrews, um, trying to understand all the different species of shrews. And you want to talk about a critter that we know very little about. Um, when you look at, like, journal paper, you know, articles that have been published to, about the knowledge of shrews, it's usually, like, one page that we know about one species of shrew. Um, so there's so much information we don't know. Uh, we do things like uh, just a couple weeks ago I was out doing surveys for shorted owls. Um, that's a survey effort that occurs not only in Nevada but across the West. Um, we're looking at our ferruginous hawks um, and trying to figure out uh, their nesting phenologies, so basically what t- time of the year they're, they're nesting and, like, uh, how many young they're producing, all sorts of things. Every day is different. Mackenzie, too, I was also really fascinated to know, a, a couple of years ago I attended a lecture about, well, Nevada is obviously home to the most abandoned mine features in the country, which also serve as habitats for bats and yes. birds. And you had mentioned that you were doing some work uh, with the bat population. We posted the other day on Instagram, it was National Bat love Appreciation that Day. I love that post. <laughs> <laughs> that must yeah. be pretty fascinating work as well. I think bat pictured, right? And that's like the, the cool, like, well, again, we can't, we're not supposed to have favorites, but probably one of the coolest bats we have in Nevada. It's it so, so rare, cool. The last too. couple of years, they've been able to, to catch a few spotted bats um, during our survey efforts. But yes, in the dead of wintertime, when it's like crazy snowy outside and all the mountains are covered in snow, we're usually riding around on our tracked ATVs to go into um, abandoned mines um, that are significant hibernacula uh, for certain species of bats. And we go in um, and quietly count the bats. Um, we're doing what's called white nose uh, surveillance because white nose syndrome is a, a disease that's affecting bats um, across North America. And we haven't detected it in Nevada yet. Um, but we're trying to make sure we do good surveillance um, so that if it does occur here, we catch it early. Um, and so we'll, we'll go out in the dead of winter, and it's, it's awesome. I mean, like I said, every season, every day is different in this job. Um, but that's one of the things we do is climb into those abandoned mines and figure out what's in there. Awesome. I feel like we could just talk all day. And I know. it's sad because we're actually running out of time. Mackenzie, but... you have the best job <laughs> in the know. state. We're all envious of you here. <clears throat> But I just want to encourage people to get out there, go on these road trips, take wildlife pictures and tag us, get on social media, follow Travel Nevada, follow Endow and get out there. Yeah. And if you'd like to read Mackenzie's full story, it truly is fascinating. It can be found on TravelNevada.com. So be sure to check that out and any ideas for your summer road trips with your families and friends. 
uh, and get out and see some wildlife. Lots of good stuff. Well, thank you all for being here. Thanks, Mackenzie, for joining us over the phone. Thank you. And that does it for this week's Nevada Wild. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Join us again next week for our next adventure, Nevada Wild. It's a production of the Nevada Department of Wildlife.